Hey, everybody. Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. We're going to have Dale Francisco, Republican pundit, analyst, former Santa Barbara City Council member, coming up to talk about the whole drama with the Republican Central Committee and the effort to oust the current leadership. And Dale's going to weigh in on the 1st District Santa Barbara County Supervisorial Race, as well as the 3rd District Santa Barbara County Supervisorial Race, and talk about Frank Joyce and everything going on with that campaign. This is a really good episode. But if you're new to this podcast, please hit subscribe on YouTube. I have more than 1,100 subscribers. This is all my podcast. Um, I've been a journalist for more than 20 years. And uh, this is uh, my effort to talk to everybody and anybody about the most important pressing issues in Santa Barbara related to housing, education, transportation, business, politics, uh, culture, just wanting to be a platform and a voice for all perspectives to be able to have a conversation about the things that matter to all of us. So please hit subscribe on YouTube and also visit my website, SantaBarbaraTalks.com and uh, look at all the previous uh, content and podcasts that I've done. And also uh, make a contribution. I, this is my podcast. I am a journalist. I am a local teacher. But this podcast, I do it all on my own. So whatever you contribute helps uh, pay for my time. And it helps me sort of expand my audience and make it better every week. So please visit SantaBarbaraTalks.com and also subscribe on YouTube. Now let's go right to Dale Francisco, who's going to outline everything GOP coming up with this uh, March 5th primary. Have a great day and thank you for watching. Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. I'm here today with Dale Francisco, former Santa Barbara City Council member and a very uh, popular, respected, conservative analyst, pundit, um, all sorts of Okay, types. Josh, you got whatever you want. That's it. <laughs> Yes, a sensible man with sensible ideas who um, I always enjoy having on the show. So, uh, Dale, glad to see you. How are you today? I'm doing just fine, Josh. Despite the torrential downpour out there, I'm doing okay. <laughs> yes. Well, you know about climate change, and uh, yes. this we're seeing it. Super high, super hot weather, super cold weather, super rain, super events. This is yep. one of them. Although it yep. just started drizzling a little while ago. So, anyway, Dale. I want to have you on the show because we have a March 5th primary coming up. Yes, and we I do. I want to talk to you about politics. And let's dive right in and talk about Santa Barbara County Board of Supervisors and okay. the third district seat. I think this is the most interesting race going on right now. And we have redistricted third district. Right. La Vista's out uh, for the first time. Everybody thought that the conservatives, the Republicans would have a chance to swing this seat because we're seeing Lompoc in there and more conservative voters and emerges out of nowhere as the first one to try to win the seat with an R by their name since Brooks Firestone is Frank Trice. Right. And uh, we've had, uh, I've had Frank on the show. He's been on Jerry's show. Uh, we talked to him um, and you know, people seem to be kind of nonplussed by his candidacy, and he's kind of running an odd campaign. 
And I wanted to talk to you about it. Are, are the journalists, the pundits underrating him? Are we overlooking him because we think we know how these things should be? Um, is there more to Frank Trois than meets the eye? He's He hasn't raised any money. I mean, as of the last right. reports, it wasn't much. It was like $8,000 or something. Maybe it's more right. now. Uh, what do you think of Frank Trois? Can he pull this off, uh, unseat Joan Hartman, the incumbent? Let's talk about Frank Trois, whom I don't know. You know, I've never I've never met Frank Trois. I had never heard of him before his name was put in for this for this seat. And really, the only thing I know about Frank is the discussion that he had with you and Jerry about a month or so ago, I think. Yeah. That discussion, I was I'll tell you, I was prepared to not like Frank Trois because uh, because of the fact that he hadn't raised any money and he didn't seem to be running a campaign. And it seemed to me the sort of typical newcomer to politics uh, who thinks he has it all figured out before he even begins. Uh, and I think I was wrong about that. I think I was wrong. After I watched, uh, I was prepared to not think very much of him. And after the discussion that I heard with you and Jerry and him, he sounded pretty sensible to me. Now, I still think that the idea... <laughs> <laughs> not running a campaign is not it's kind of a risky idea uh now he he says that he's been going around doing in-person forums and all that sort of thing which is great that's good whether that's enough to swing the district i don't know but um what i what i will say about frank is based on the discussion i mean i don't know what you thought he sounded like he knew what he was talking about he's obviously smart He's obviously articulate. He, he he had some very sensible points, you know, that I think the board of supervisors could benefit from. I mean, his just I liked his statement about um, uh, the county feels like they can't take on Sacramento, but somehow they can take on one of the largest corporations in the world, Exxon. You know, <laughs> not <laughs> no. not that an eyelash. I mean, that's that's a pretty good comment. And I also I liked what he had to say about his strong belief that the supervisors had not driven anywhere near hard enough a bargain with 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 Exxon and they could have they could have because those offshore leases are valuable hmm. and the environmentalists like to talk about stranded assets well <laughs> it's we're we're going to be using oil and gas for a while and administrations can change and uh, the national mood can change you know, that's uh, I think Exxon is playing the long game here and the Board of Supervisors may up, may be up against uh, a craftier opponent than they think. Mm -hmm. In any event, I thought Frank's comments on that and a lot of other things were good. They sounded to me, they sounded they sounded well thought out and middle of the road. No, no extremists there. I, I mean, I agree with you to some degree uh, when you talk to him, he he, he knows business he knows finance he he understands a lot of these issues um but you know this dale that a campaign is not service a campaign is about reaching voters it's an entirely different skill it's about raising money it's about getting your name out there so the, right. the person who might win a round of jeopardy is not the one who's actually going to get elected most of the time <laughs> so 
Um, no matter how much we might like Jeopardy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so I hear what, you. what do you think of this this strategy of of I'm just going to rely on the free press, the media, whatever the Republican Central Committee can do? I mean, that's not the wisest way to do. You that. know, I hope I hope he knows more than I do. I I uh, <laughs> I think. I mean, you talk about the different skill sets that are required to be a successful politician. And really, by successful politician, I mean a successful public servant, because that is what they're supposed to be. And, and you know, you want to look at polar opposites. Look at Doss Williams. Doss Williams is one of the world's great campaigners. In office, eh. But he's a good campaigner. There's no question about it. And on top of that, he has the Democratic Party totally locked up. Uh, so the Dem machine is on his side. Frank Trois, uh seems to think he can make it the way he's doing it. It's hard for me to imagine by the numbers that that's true, but I'm sure he's looked at the numbers. Um, you know, the, the, the Republican Central Committee can't help him very much. They don't have many resources. They do one, they do one slate mailer and that's it. Uh, and they do it as far as I know, it only goes to Republicans. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it'll it'll probably be I would assume it would be a low turnout election. I don't know, but the whole the the presidency, I mean, that's not going to excite a lot of people. That seems like that's a pretty much wrapped up deal. So there's just not a lot on the ballot that's incredibly motivating for people to go to the to go to the polls or even to turn their their ballot in in the mail. Yeah. Did you see the Mike Stoker email that uh, went to everybody and was circulated around where he he was breathing really heavy on this idea that Frank has wasted the opportunity of a lifetime and yeah. and uh he may have been even a plant for the Joan Hartman campaign. And I know there's a lot of backstory there that he did not include in that email. Yeah. It is Mike Stoker, of course. It is Mike Stoker. Well, Josh, well, you probably you you know more about that than I do, I'm sure. Yeah. Um yeah, I know. I know. I don't even like to mention Mike Stoker's name because it's just going to feed off itself and I'm going to get feedback. But the idea, I guess the, the, the one nugget that is of interest in that is how do you think we got Frank Choice after this big redistricting effort? Were there no other Republicans available to with a name? Because my friend came have, with zero name recognition. I have no idea. I have yeah. no idea. And I think, you know, I've been I've I haven't really been involved at all with the Republican Central Committee since I left after being chairman for one year, uh, 2016. That was enough. <laughs> um, it's not I mean, it's not a deep rooted, highly effective organization. It's you can't call it a machine at all. And so I wouldn't I wouldn't expect them to be able to recruit a candidate though that is one of the things they're supposed to be able to do. Um, there just isn't the infrastructure out there. And, you know, a board of supervisors race is a big race. If you're, if you're going to be successful, you have to, you have to at least raise a couple hundred thousand. Um, and, you know, the way, the way the Dems do this is the way that logically you should do it. You, I mean, I don't like their operation and I think it's totally corrupt, but all that aside, 
they get people in lower level offices and gradually move them up. And there's always somebody waiting in line for the next position. Republican party doesn't have that. Yeah. Clearly. Right. You know, um, Frank Trice is interesting. Um, I think he seems to think, or he told me he's going to get through the primary. Just the amount, the amount of conservatives who are going to be voting. They're not going to vote for Joan Hartman. Uh, there is these are nonpartisan races, by the way. So it isn't as, as <laughs> technically, yes. <laughs> technically. It doesn't say R by his name when he when he go when people go to vote. So True. he shouldn't assume that every conservative or no party preference or people who don't like Democrats are gonna vote for him. But I, I he thinks he's gonna get through. He's discounting Janelle Osborne, the mayor of Lompoc, who raised like a hundred dollars according to the yeah. filing. And then I think he thinks the campaign is going to start and he's going to do his thing. So uh, it's just an interesting strategy. I know that Joan Hartman's team is trying to win it outright in uh, in March and just sure. uh, win 50.1%. Uh, you know, Dale, you, get, you are a conservative, but you, a lot of people respect you. You're not necessarily like just uh, dismissed by the Democrats as a far right you you are somebody who um, has a lot of friends in a lot of places um, what what do you think of Joan Hartman and, and the job that that she's done do you think that um you know we should have another supervisor in there and and you know why what what's the case against her from your perspective well if I were going to make a case against her uh, it would be to me Joan Hartman is a straight down the line traditional environmentalist and again going back to your discussion with frank Troyce, the one of the weaknesses of the board of supervisors is you have a lot of people with no business experience and business is kind of important uh to the life of the county so having having i think <laughs> i think there are there are enough hardcore environmentalists on the board of supervisors and having another i mean Bob Nelson is not that, obviously, but having someone with real business experience, which there isn't anybody up there, uh, I can see a real advantage. It's not that Joan Hartman is so terrible. She's um, she's kind of a in her own way. She's kind of a middle of the road Democrat. She's not you know, she's not awful. But I think bringing more bringing more balance, bringing someone who's serious about getting the county on better financial footing. I think that would be that would be a good change. I want to get to the first district in a second, but because we brought up the Republican Party, let me transition into that sure. uh, for yeah. next. So, you know, I, I have all kinds of people on my show. I try to talk to everybody, and when I when I have conservatives on, there are a few liberal Democrats who get mad at me and like, "Why are you giving them a platform?" and <laughs> blah blah blah. How dare um, you? <laughs> how dare? <laughs> <laughs> they allow people to talk. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, I've had some conservatives on the show and, you know, they sort of talk about um, unhappiness with the Republican Central Committee and the leadership of Bobby McGinnis. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about what's going on there, because so much ink is spilled on the Democrats and and for good reason. Right. They they we're we're largely democratic uh community but in terms of voter registration that's yep. pretty much everyone who's in office and there's a there's a structure and there's an organization and they work really hard and they clear the field and they're they're on it right and the right. republicans we tend to just sort of like not pay attention to 
But there are people running. There's a slate running on the Republican Central Committee ballot to right. kind of tip the power and, um, you know, get new leadership on the committee. And so can you frame that for us? Can you talk a little bit, Dale, about what is the leadership of the Republican Central Committee? What are the issues? And who's, you know, is there a coup attempt here to kind of tip the balance and have a whole new focus going forward? Because, I mean, we just talked about Frank coming out of nowhere to be the third district candidate, and right. that can't be everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I would call it a coup attempt, but in 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 my view, the Republican Central Committee has been utterly ineffective, uh, probably, well, as long as I've known about it. So let's say for the last almost 20 years. And that really, it shouldn't be that way. I mean, the one advantage, I mean, most people don't even know that there are central committees, okay? But the, van the advantage that a central committee has as a political action committee is its contribution levels are much higher than, a, than any other kind of PAC. It can take in a lot more money. And to state candidates, uh, not to local candidates, city council and county supervisor, but to state candidates, they also they can give as much money as they want to a state candidate. So it's a really unusual uh, financial structure compared to anything else in the state. So it's only one part of the picture. There are a lot of things that have to happen for a political party to be successful, but it's an important part. It's one important part, and it doesn't seem to be really functioning very well. Now, I know that, in, in to my knowledge, this is the first time that there has been an organized group of people running slates to replace the current leadership on the Republican Central Committee. And they've got their website, they're sending out texts, and they're, they're, they're actually running a campaign, which I don't think that's ever happened before. Who, who are these names? Can you say their names? Do you know the, the four? Uh, well, I know, I know in the first district, uh, Cheryl Trotsky, yeah. Mary Hudson, uh, Nick Sebastian, and I'm forgetting somebody. I feel terrible. I shouldn't forget anybody. But I'm anyway, uh, those are the people who are on the slate. I've of those, I have only met Cheryl Trotsky. Okay. She seems uh she seems good to me. And she's the current, she's the first district caucus chair right now. Okay. And she's at least from my conversation with her, she seemed to have all the right ideas. She's been working on organizing from the precinct level. Uh, which is very, very important. And she's she was on the redistricting committee, so she was very actively involved with that. Those are the kind of people you want on a central committee. And right. she's, she's an incumbent, and she did not get endorsed. Um, that seems strange to me. So that that's the first district. And in the second district, some names that people are probably maybe a little more familiar with, uh, Christy Lozano, is one of the candidates. Uh -huh. uh, James Finkner is one of the candidates. Now, yeah. both of them have been endorsed by the Republican Central Committee, but uh, but they are on this slate <laughs> of the so-called revolutionaries. I, I don't really think that's a fair term. I think that, and the other, uh, Greg Hamill, uh, whom you may remember from Goleta School Board fights of various kinds. I know and, Greg. Yeah. yeah. 
and uh, uh, Rhonda, and I'm, forgive me, I don't know how to say her last name, Huskin or something like that. Uh, and, you know, all the people that I've, that I know anything about who are running for these seats are good people. Uh, any one of them on the, on this so-called reform slate. Now, one of the things that I look at, and it's, it's appalling to me, is that the current leadership on the Republican Central Committee have they've endorsed themselves on the slate maker, which to me is I mean that's that's straight out unethical. Uh, that should not happen. And no matter who ends up winning this race, the first thing they should do is change their bylaws so that that can't happen again. So this is what the Bobby McGinnis. Bobby uh, McGinnis. Bobby McGinnis, Julie. They have Shaw, a mailer where they endorse Jim themselves. They, they're the slate mailer. Okay. Uh, the slate mailer that has, oh. you know, the supervisor and everybody else on it. It also has themselves. Um, uh, you know. Oh, so I see. So they're kind of um, putting themselves um, on this slate, representing the Republican choice when there are yes, others who exactly. are running and have been endorsed by the committee, but they're not on the slate. Right. Yeah. And that seems so, well <laughs> unethical, misleading. I mean, a, all of it. To, to me, it's a clear conflict of interest. And and more than that, I mean, the Republican Central Committee or any central committee, their job is to develop, to recruit candidates, to support candidates and help them win elections. That's their job. Yeah. And if you're going to be doing that job, it really helps if you've had to do the job yourself. Mm -hmm. OK, so these people who are campaigning for a seat on the Central Committee should be running their own campaigns. They should not be benefiting from the money that donors have contributed, uh, I'm sure, assuming that what they're contributing for is helping to elect Republicans to governmental office. Yeah. What is, can you pinpoint the leadership problem? Is it there's not enough effort to find the next generation of candidates or is it, something is it framing the message or what exactly is the issue i'm not entirely sure josh i think you know from the little bit i know about bobby mcginnis and julie bischoff and jim worthen i mean jim worthen's been involved with republican politics for you know at least since the 80s i'm not sure but they in my experience, they don't seem to get a lot of the basics about how political campaigns are run. Yeah. And they do things too late. Mm. Um, they, they, they're they scurrying around at the last minute to find candidates for races. And part of that's, I mean, that's obviously, that's not all their fault. I mean, part of it is just a lack of, a lack of, of enough Republicans in any office, especially in South County. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just it seems it seems poorly organized. I'll just put it that way. And maybe it's time. The thing with the promoting themselves on the slate mailers, to me, that's that's disqualifying. But even aside from that, the fact that the the central committee just doesn't seem to be accomplishing much. Maybe it's time to put some new people in and see if we can get better results.
Yeah, well, I think that, and I've said this on the the show, uh, various shows is Republicans need a, uh, and and I don't know if you agree with me or not, but they need like a good crossover candidate. You need a candidate who's going to appeal to those no party preference individuals, and you need to recruit earlier and younger, and like maybe look at some UCSB or or people who have part of the young Republican groups, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like that's, you know, if you look at the Dem party, the, we can see the future of the Dem party through all of these activists that they have sure. uh, cultivated. Right. And they're already right. in positions of staff, staff positions. And, you know, they're going to run for stuff down the road. And I feel like a lot of the Republicans spend too much time on like these national issues when really local politics comes down to, uh, Finding a good candidate who's likable and uh, raising a whole bunch of money and uh, doing the, the work in the campaign to to reach voters. And um, it's it's not really what you think should be. It's you have to put in the work on the ground, phone calls, knocking on doors, raising money, ads, the whole thing. Yeah. And um, you just don't see that sort of infrastructure with the Republican party um and so you're going to need a celebrity or somebody to you know i always mention andrew firestone or somebody like that like someone like that can win just about anything that he wants but maybe doesn't want to jump in for family reasons you know and you can't just rely on the one person with a name you got to go make them you know you got to go find them and cultivate them so i agree with you on that josh yeah. So so that's kind of interesting. And we'll, we'll see what happens there. And uh, if this this you don't want to call it a coup, but this this active <laughs> slate or campaign to take over. I didn't yeah, know James just... Fakner was running. I'm going to have to give him a hard time for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know, and I don't know what will happen. I don't know what the what what's going to happen with this. But regardless of what happens, I'm heartened that people are thinking about this and and realizing that things need to be improved one way or the other. Yeah. Speaking of James Fankner and Christy Lozano, do you subscribe to the current, their, their new uh, email uh, newsletter news source? Do you subscribe? Do you have any thoughts on that? I, Josh, I'm ashamed to say I don't subscribe, but I will. I just haven't <laughs> gotten around to it. Yeah. I read it. I, I read it every day. Oh, well, you do. I've read- even written for it. Oh, you do read it. Okay. Yeah, Jerry well, gave me a hard time about that. Okay, well, you don't need to subscribe. That's not the <laughs> issue. I mean, you read it. So, what do you think Every of day. it? What do you think? Well, of it? you know, I think it's I think it's a good start. I think that um, I think there are articles in there you're not going to find anywhere else. Uh, I mean, maybe occasionally on Newshawk you would, but um, for a daily conservative point of view, there's nothing else. So, yeah, I think it's great. I think what uh, that's uh, that's Jim Buckley and James Fankner put that together yeah yeah okay i know i think that uh, uh this is me i'm a journalist i'm uh, i am a democrat as everyone knows but i'm also a journalist and I, I i believe in the power of information all information so i think that's great to have the current and that perspective because everybody should read everything and knowledge is good and make up your own minds you know and certainly there's stuff there that's of interest and and, and good and maybe you don't like everything but and no, the, I'm sure nobody liked the news, everything the news press wrote either, even during the heyday. So yeah. it's good to do that. Um, 
Let's talk about the first district, Dale. And uh, you served with Doss Williams on the Santa Barbara City Council, so you yeah, know yeah. you know him well, and uh, you certainly butted heads with him on the City Council way back when. Oh yeah, and you know he's um, he's the incumbent, and he's running against Roy Lee. What is your makeup of this? What is your view on this this contest? Uh, Doss has lost some endorsements. Uh, he seems to have anecdotally lost some uh, popularity. And uh, we had Barney Malekian, former Santa Barbara police chief, and county official, and Pat McElroy, former uh, city fire chief, uh, come out and do an ad against, uh, well, I should say for Roy Lee, but yeah. behind the scenes very much, you know, they, they were tired of Doss. Uh, Joyce Dudley, you know, endorsing Roy Lee, and right, it's Sheila Lodge endorsing him. Sheila Lodge, right? I I remember back in the day when when Doss was young, Sheila and Doss were allies. That you know, yeah. she liked him, and he liked her, and they were they were political allies. And so, you know, anecdotally, he's losing some popularity. Um, it's not going to be enough, I don't think, to unseat him because he's got a whole lot of money and he's credible name recognition and he do he does still have a lot of people who like him uh, but what do you make of this dos like sort of situation and and you know is he vulnerable now or the next time he runs for something i don't know if he's vulnerable uh as you said i mean he has a lot of money and as i said just a little while ago he's he's a fantastic campaigner he's a master of the art um so Roy Lee has his work cut out for him. What I will say That's is, the understatement. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I will say is DOS, I think a lot of people have finally realized that DOS is about DOS. DOS is about promoting his political career, whatever it takes. And that's not new. I mean, that was true. It's it it was true when he and I were together on city council. And it's true today. Um, you know, I think Doss could have had a better life if he'd gone into sales. But uh, unfortunately, he's good at at political sales as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and I, I don't know Roy Lee. I've never spoken with the man. However, what I do know is that for someone who's a who's going for a county supervisor seat, it helps enormously that he is already serving on the Carpinteria City Council. So he's already got some background about what's involved with responding to constituent concerns. And there are plenty of constituent concerns in Carpinteria and plenty of people in Carpinteria who are unhappy with DOS over the whole cannabis yeah. disaster, um, which DOS was promoting when he was on City Council. Uh, he saw that as the, the new political gold rush coming and of course, as it turned out, it hasn't done much of anything. And that's that's not just that's not just here. It's all over the country. Wherever they've legalized cannabis, it's it's been a it's been a no show in terms of the economy. Probably a net a net deficit. So, um, will enough people wake up and realize that this time around? Who knows? What did you see back in uh, the? 2000s 2000 i guess what five um no you were elected in 2007 so yeah right. I guess you were on yeah. there for a couple of years with with dos um what did you see because i've been accused of being like 
way too favorable toward Doss. And I'm sure you, you've, you've accused me of that, you know, uh, <laughs> over the years quite a bit. Um, no one's accusing me of that now, you know, um, but um, I certainly back then didn't see what you saw. What did you see back then? Um, it, it, is it, it, cause it, is it more than just like style? I mean, some people just don't like his style and way of talking, but is it right. substantive? I mean, do you recall him actually putting himself ahead of policy or what do, What were the I can, You know, I can live with obnoxious people who get good things done, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really, I can't. That's okay. That's not the problem. I can give you, I could give you many, many examples, but um I'll take one issue that I believe it was the issue that he ran on. I don't think it was when he ran in 2007. I think it was his first campaign. He ran on this idea and it was kind of, it was framed to appeal to the environmentalists who are a majority in this town. And, you know, I consider myself an environmentalist, but a rational one. And uh, environmentalism without math is useless in my view. Mm -hmm. Anyway, one of the things that DOS campaigned on was a uh, sewer lateral incentive program, the SLIP program. Mm. And the idea behind that was that all of these leaky uh, sewer laterals were polluting the groundwater and it was an environmental disaster. And it was a very expensive program. Voters liked it because the city paid for part of the cost of replacing their sewer laterals. Okay. Um, and while I was still on council, that program was canceled because, uh, in the words of Rebecca Bjork, who was the head of the water department at the time, it wasn't accomplishing anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, the amount of groundwater pollution from sewer laterals was insignificant. And the real, uh, if you if you want to say polluting uh, possibility was was the sewer mains, obviously. I mean that's that's where that's where the biggest bang for the buck was if you want to mm. if you want to reduce groundwater pollution. Mm. So the water department took all the money out of the sewer lateral incentive program and put it all back into to fixing the mains, which is where it should have been from the beginning. But to me, that's an example of using a scary but non-quantitative environmental story to make people believe that you're out there, you're the the warrior for the environment, and you're going to save the world. Um, there wasn't any factual basis behind it whatsoever, but it helped him get elected. Yeah. Roy Lee's going to be, I mean, he's going to get so many votes from people who never met him. He's <laughs> 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 just like, Oh, he's running against him. It's, he gets the vote, I'll vote know? for him. <laughs> it's, it's sort of interesting. Um, you know, he's a straightforward guy. Uh, he, he looks you in the eye. He answers your questions. Uh, he's very authentic, you know. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, it's about campaigning at this stage. And uh, he's got some money in recent weeks, the last couple weeks, but uh, not enough to flood the airwaves and mailers and just sort of get that name recognition out there. So I just think that a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that, you know, oh, someone's, I agree with this person on the issue, therefore they should win when that's not what it is. You know, Donald, President Trump, former President Trump won the first time and he won because everyone knew his name. He'd been on TV forever and he yeah. was also running an alternative campaign. It's, it's not about the best public servant. It's about 
name recognition and 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 whether you have the the support to get that name out there so yeah. you know, roy's definitely fighting an uphill battle yeah. in that regard do you think uh they're both democrats you're a republican right. do you think it makes any difference from a policy perspective if roy or Doss are in there from a conservative point of view oh yeah i would think so i mean i think roy's a businessman and you know, the only, well, I shouldn't say the only, the most rational person on our Santa Barbara City Council is Randy Rouse. And Randy Rouse is the only guy up there with business experience. Mm -hmm. So, well, I shouldn't say that. Mike has some kind of business experience, but not not the kind that Randy has. Um, so I, I think, yes, I mean, Roy would be, Roy would be a huge improvement, uh, I think, from a conservative point of view, if for no other reason that he i think he's he's listening to the local community in a way that's really not all that important to dos yeah so we'll, we'll see how that goes do you have a prediction percentage prediction what it's going to be no i don't i don't want to i don't want to say anything about that <laughs> you know i hope i hope the best for roy lee of course uh but as you say oof, you know um yeah. it would be nice if those endorsements had come in a lot sooner Right. And the independent endorsements coming out next week. So it yeah. should have come out last week um, if they were hoping for impact, maximum impact. Um, I get the there's no Republican candidate in the first district. Does this go to the whole lack of organization with the Republican Central Committee? I mean, should well, it be somebody or is it a lost cause by the way the voter registration is there? I think at the at at this time, it is a lost cause. Uh I'm I'm actually not sure uh, the second district after Isla Vista got put into it may actually be more democratic, but the first district has traditionally been the most democratic district in the county. Yeah. And uh, there are other targets. If the Republican Party is going to be successful in this county, it needs to focus elsewhere. It needs to start somewhere else. Right. Okay. Well, um, I wanted to talk to you about one other thing, which is... Measure A, and not the big Measure A, but the oh, Santa Barbara good. Measure A. <laughs> um, I read a letter to Newshawk. Uh, you probably sent it elsewhere, but I did see it there. Uh, but let's talk about the issue, and then you kind of got you know involved there. But yeah. uh, there's a measure, there's a ballot on the March 5th primary that is going to, I guess, allow the city to change the way that it, it, it approves contracts and go from legally having to ex uh, accept the lowest bidder and instead they can accept the lowest they can uh, accept the most responsible bidder and it seems like a very what nuanced kind of thing uh, but it's on the ballot the charter says that the voters have to approve this so right uh, talk to me about measure a and kind of how you got involved in that so measure a is a good measure i want it to pass uh, I'm voting yes on it. I hope everybody who's watching this votes yes on it. And I originally thought it was a bad idea. <laughs> uh, and I was confused about it because some people that I trust had told me that it was a bad idea. And I won't go into the details about it. Unfortunately, I don't think the city, uh, and it was the city council who by unanimous vote put this measure on the ballot. I don't think the city council did a really great job of preparing the ground for this and explaining it in a way that was easy for people to understand. The 
So a charter amendment is necessary because there's a section in the charter, section 519, that says all public works contracts shall be awarded to the lowest responsible bidder. What does lowest responsible bidder means? So if you have five people bidding on a job, somebody's going to have the lowest number, right? Somebody's going to have the lowest cost. What does responsible mean? Well, it turns out responsible does not mean very much. As a result of a California Supreme Court ruling, responsible essentially means that the contractor has a license to do the work and that they can get bonded. That's it. And so if you had those five contractors bidding and contractor A has the lowest bid, the city, and by when I say the city, I mean the public works engineers who are reviewing the bids. I'm not talking about city council. When the public works engineers are reviewing those bids, they're not allowed to look at A's job history. They're not allowed to say, did you complete your last five jobs on time? Mm. They're, they're, not, they're not allowed to ask uh, prior customers, were you satisfied with the quality of the work that contractor A did? They're not allowed to do anything except verify that that contractor has a license and they're bonded. That's it. That's crazy. And it, this isn't just from my my talking with public works engineers, it's from my talking with contractors. Everybody agrees that always accepting the lowest bid and that being the only criterion is crazy. Uh, and And it results in lots of problems. And very often what it results in is having to hire a second contractor later to come in and reduce some of the work. And so you didn't even save the money you thought you were going to save. So I'm I'm absolutely in favor. And I know some people, some friends of mine have said, well, I don't want to give any more power to city council. And I understand that. I get that, really, believe me. But uh, that's not what this is about. This is about giving engineers in public works the ability to scrutinize the people who are bidding to do city work. And I think that's essential. So uh, that's on the ballot, and that requires a charter amendment. Other cities and counties have already moved in this direction, right? Cities, Santa Barbara, kind of behind, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In so, fact, I don't even know why it was why it was left this long. Right. But anyway. So you're all in, all supportive of it, and people should. should... Yes on a. <laughs> you don't even have to worry about anything I just said. Just yes on a. <laughs> Okay, Dale. Well, I appreciate your time and having a conversation about all these issues. Uh, you have uh, such a wisdom that you bring and experience. You've served in all these roles. You've been on the council. You've been an elected. You've been a party activist, and you, you're a business person as well. So you have a unique perspective. And I'm not going to ask you about Donald Trump because I <laughs> I don't want to argue with you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll have a nuanced conversation about Donald Trump sometime. <laughs> so, Gosh, it's been a pleasure. Now. Thanks very much. All right, Dale. We'll talk soon. Take care. Have a great okay, day. Okay, you too. All right.